Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to ask a pharmacist about getting naloxone for their first aid kits at home or work. No prescription is needed. Naloxone can rapidly reverse an opioid overdose and restore breathing. Opioidresponse.info. And so we come to the end of another week on Political Rewind, but uh, it's really not over at all. We're in for an eventful couple of days in politics here. Uh, Vice President Pence will be attending a rally down in Savannah later today with uh, Leffler and Purdue. Uh, before that, I, I believe it comes first, he'll be stopping at CDC in Atlanta and holding an event with some of the public health officials there. That'll be interesting uh, to watch unfold. Uh, around the same time that that's happening, President Obama is going to uh, have a virtual uh, event with Ossoff and Warnock of Get Out the Vote rally, essentially. And tomorrow, of course, President Trump will be in Valdosta at the airport for one of those big outdoor rallies that he held in the final days of the election. This, of course, will be his first rally uh, since losing, since being declared uh, the loser of the presidential race. And uh, the question on everybody's mind is what exactly is the president going to end up talking about uh, tomorrow. Um, So let's get right to that question with our panel. We have an awful lot of ground to cover today. Uh, Of course, it's Friday, which means Jim Galloway, the lead political writer for the AJC, is with us as usual. Jim, thanks for being here today. Are you going to be following pretty closely these uh, big events with these uh, stars from the different parts from the two parties? Right, yeah, and especially Trump's appearance uh, in Valdosta. I mean, on, on Saturday. I mean, it's it's not just whether whether he will he is he will admit to to losing his his bid for re-election, which he probably won't. But it's also a matter of who shows up. Will, will Brian Kemp show up? Will go, the go, the governor of Georgia, who has been bashed by Trump for not handing the election to 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 the president, will will he be there? Yeah, um, and we're going to get the panel involved in this conversation, uh, and that that means talking with uh, State Senator Jen Jordan, who is back with us. Jen Jordan represents, you have a big district, obviously, Jen. You cover parts of Smyrna, Marietta, you go over to Sandy Springs, you're in a portion of northwest Atlanta, so your district sprawls all over that northern stretch of metro Atlanta. And yesterday, you were part of this, I didn't realize it was a nine-hour Senate committee hearing that brought Rudolph Giuliani to town to talk about the the fraudulent election, right? Yeah, it was... um it was a sight to behold. So um, we were not aware that Giuliani was going to come in, um, but I'm looking forward to talking about it with y'all. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely get to it. Um, uh, on the other side of the aisle today, Representative Chuck F. Stration. Uh, Chuck F. Stration. I can't remember, Chuck, if you've been on the show since you won your November 3rd race. Congratulations on another term. It's Obviously getting harder and harder to be a Republican and win elections in in Gwinnett County, but you've managed to find a way to do that in a district that I always think of as Decula as the sort of focal point of the district. But you, too, you're all the way up to I-85, down below 360. How do you describe the district? Well, it's it's Decula and a a big part of Lawrenceville as well, the Hamilton Mill area and um, and the Harbins area in Gwinnett County. Uh, I think Senator Jordan and I were on your show just the day after the election, and I had a great conversation then, but uh, uh, the results weren't finalized. So thanks for having me back. Um, one other quick thing. We have to give a shout-out to a federal judge who has allowed you to be on the show this morning and has been willing to delay a trial that you're involved with uh, right now. I'm Chuck, I have to say, I'm flattered that a federal judge believes doing political rewind is a worthwhile use of your time for a couple of hours this morning. So, uh, Superior Court judge in Gwinnett County uh, allowed me to, to keep my commitment, Bill, to be with you here today because uh, our trial has gone longer than we expected. So I appreciate uh, appreciate her understanding and let me uh, uh, keep my commitment to you to be on political rewind. 
Uh, thanks for the correction. I'm sorry. I thought it was a federal court. It's a superior court in, in Georgia. Thanks for correcting me on that. And thank you, Your Honor. We're also joined again today uh, by Rick Dent. Rick Dent is um, really become an incredibly valuable part of the uh, unfolding of the election this year. He's a Georgia media consultant, but he also uh, has a really interesting career in politics because he worked for three Democratic Southern governors, a real rare birds these days. He worked for Ray Mabus in Mississippi, Donald Siegelman in Alabama, and then uh, Jim Galloway and I got to know you, Rick, when you worked uh, with Zell Miller here. Uh, but you're now the vice president of Matrix LLC, which is a media consulting firm, and you have been Nobody has been keeping track of campaign ad spending, which I talked about in the introduction to the show the way you have. I'm looking forward to talking about it with you on the show today. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it will tell you everything you need to know about that race. Yeah, okay. Um, let's start with the uh, uh, visit that we're going to see tomorrow from Donald Trump in Valdosta. Jim, uh, there is a lot of concern, and we'll certainly ask Chuck Efstration about this, Nobody seems to really know what President Trump will do when he comes down here. Will, you know, this, the, the teleprompter Trump is certainly capable of um, giving a speech that supports these two candidates, talks about how important it is for Republicans to turn out to vote. But the off-prompter Trump, he could go any direction right now, Right. Yeah, yeah. What, what Republicans are most fearful of is the stream of consciousness Trump, uh, kind of the William Faulkner Trump, if you will. Uh, but uh, it, <laughs> uh, it, it's 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 it, and look, the 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 man is reflexively uh, 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 self. Uh, uh, he he's transactional. Everything has to be about him and and. And to think that he is going to spend, you know, maybe an hour, 90 minutes talking to a rally, a, a rally of Trump supporters who are who are going to be chanting, uh, stop the steal, stop the steal. Do you th if, if you think he's going to say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the White House. And so you folks have to protect what I've done by preserving the Senate, which is the logical. That's the logical uh, conversation that re Republicans should be having with voters right now. I, I just can't conceive of that happening. Chuck, uh, I've said on this show uh, for the last week or so that right now being a Republican on the show takes a, a little more courage than it normally would because your party is in the midst of such a strange period of time where you've got um, uh, uh, some Republicans uh, 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 claiming that the election is fraudulent and that it was stolen for Joe Biden here. Um, you've got uh, people like Brad Raffensperger and Gabriel Sterling saying we ran an honest election. Why are, are you challenging this? Why are people's lives being threatened? So in the midst of all that, Trump comes to, to the state. What are you anticipating? Well, uh, there, there's a lot there in the question. I, I think that uh, the president and the vice president have made clear that they are coming to Georgia interested in focusing on the priority of the U.S. Senate runoffs, the two uh, Senate elections that we have. I, I will say that ensuring that our elections are fair and honest is a very important thing. And uh, allowing for the legal process, uh, the, we, we are a, a nation, a state ruled by laws, and uh, allowing the legal process to, um, to run its course so that voters who have concerns about uh, whether or not there were issues with the with the election, so that those concerns can be addressed and so that those questions can be answered, I think is a good thing for all Georgians. Uh, going back to to uh, 2018, we recall um, uh, Democrats uh, having questions or or, or uh, being unwilling to concede uh, the outcome of the election then, and that's I think uh, I think that all Georgians are served well when uh, concerns are raised and they're vetted and go through the appropriate legal channels. Of course, Jen, um, and then I'll get to Rick on this too, but Jen, 
of course, Governor Kemp has certified the results of the Georgia election for Joe Biden. And and while Chuck Efstration does make a point that Stacey Abrams never was willing to concede uh, the race to Brian Kemp in 2018, we played a soundbite of her speech in which she does say, I know Brian Kemp won the race, but because I believe it was the result of voter suppression, I won't formally uh, concede. That's uh, slightly different from what we're seeing from from the Trump people, uh, the Trump supporters out there, right? Yeah. I mean, look, what I heard yesterday was basically a push by um, Trump's legal team and also Trump to basically you know, usurp the decision of the voters in Georgia to take it away from them and 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 choose their own electors, which means to choose actually electors that would support Trump. I mean, it's it's absolutely unheard of um, what they're pushing. And um, and so it goes beyond just someone kind of questioning maybe what happened during the election process. I mean, there there's so much information and disinformation in terms of um, that's being pushed out there. And it's and it's incredibly harmful because people believe it. I mean, people are believing everything they hear and they're taking very innocent things that happen during an election process and they're subscribing fraud to it or, you know, people stealing the vote. And um, and it's and it's really dangerous. Hey, Rick, you know, that seems to me want to be kind of the fine line that Republicans like F. Strace, Chuck Evstration have to walk here saying, yes, let's make sure that everything came uh, was was accurate, honest, fair and all that without jumping into bed with the conspiracy theorists. But, Rick, go ahead. Well, yesterday there was a USA poll for Georgia that showed that 65% of Georgia Republicans believed that Trump won the election and he was, he was cheated. And, and what this chaos at the top has really done, and, and it's interesting when you hear Republicans say, well, you know, um, I've just lost faith in the elections. This is an election they won. They won this election. The very top was an anomaly if you look at the state of Georgia, Republicans won. It was a great night to be a Georgia Republican. It was a great night to be a Republican nationally. Look what they did in the House. They saved the Senate. There were lots of seats that they should have lost, and they saved the Senate. They did well all over this country. But you wouldn't know that. So I always find it interesting that they they're concerned about the safety of this election that they won. Yeah, and in, 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 in fact, Bill, that's it, it, Rick's got a great point here. This is the, the, there are many parts of this conspiracy theory uh, that defy logic, but the, the, maybe the best the best one is okay. If Trump was cheated out of his victory, does that negate everything that happened down below? Uh, are, should we be throwing out congressional races? Should we be throwing out state house races? I think Chuck Efstration would have an opinion about that. I, uh, I, I probably Chuck. would. I, I, I think that what's important for listeners to know is I have heard from many Georgians since the election and people who I wouldn't characterize as extremely politically involved, folks who follow day-to-day developments in politics or watch uh, evening cable news shows. But these people have contacted me asking questions and expressing concerns. And allowing the process to run its course uh, is a good thing for everyone. Trust in our elections, uh, I, I think, is just critically important for both political parties and for, and for everyone in this country. So one of the things that, that's really come up during everything I'm hearing, I watched the rally, Save the Steel, I was there for, you know, how many hours yesterday listening. And at the base of all of it, even from elected officials in the state, is a lack of understanding of what the election laws are and what the election process is. And so there'll be things, you know, we can go to the whole um, audit of the envelope signatures and why weren't this, you know, the signature envelopes checked with the ballots and everything during the recount. There's just a real lack of kind of this basic understanding of the legal process and the Georgia Constitution. And, and I think that's incredibly problematic. 
um, because if the elected officials don't even understand what the laws are, that they passed, by the way, um, then they certainly can't communicate to their constituents in a way that can make them feel good about the process. So there's a lot to unpack uh, here, and and I want to take it in in a in an order of sorts. Uh, Jim, you raised the question at the very top of the show: Who shows up tomorrow night? Um, President Trump has been very tough on Brian Kemp. He's accused him of being part of the uh, uh, effort to block his victory here in Georgia. Hasn't done enough, he said repeatedly. Uh, about Kemp in terms of his rescuing Trump in this election. On Wednesday, Sidney Powell uh, and Lynn Wood were at this uh, Stop the Steal rally, which apparently attracted as many as 1,500 people. And Powell and Lynn Wood argued that uh, that we, the chanting was, lock him up, when Brian Kemp's name uh, came up. So taking things a little bit in order, if you're the governor of Georgia, Jim, do you want to be at this rally? Are you going to stand on stage and have that crowd, as you kind of suggested earlier, are screaming, lock him up? Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a it's it's, it's an important question. And I, I've got to the, the the dynamic is if you if you show up, yes, you're going to you're, you're, he's probably going to be get razzed, get razzed by uh, thousands of Trump supporters. If he doesn't show up, uh, will will Donald Trump feel more free to go after him? Uh, it's it's uh, it's 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 a it's a lose lose situation. What I expect, yeah, Chuck, is it that, does seem like the. Go ahead. Go. Yeah, what I what I expect is there is uh, no doubt that the importance of the Senate runoffs in Georgia is uh, is a focus nationally right now, and the um, the rallies that are taking place to really highlight how important it is that there's strong Republican turnout in the runoffs. And that also to really highlight, I think, some questions that are out there that are that have been discussed specifically this week. It was noted in the AJC about uh, John Ossoff deciding to openly embrace the support of Bernie Sanders. And that, that is a really interesting position for a Georgia Senate candidate to take in a runoff election in the general election. Uh, these uh, the positions of the Senate candidates um uh, are very liberal, and how that will play in a general election runoff, I think, is yet to be determined. And I expect that will be really highlighted at rallies that we see uh, going forward. So uh, that's a that's a, a good point, uh, Rick Dent. Um, but even before we take that, I do want to talk about what the messaging is in terms of any of the candidates uh, uh, before the show is over today. Um, but when when Republicans say. Gee, there our constituents uh, yesterday in the House hearings that were going on simultaneous to the one that Jen Jordan was in on the Senate side, um, you had uh, uh, Senate Republican Whip Steve Gooch um, say that um, I'm, I'm looking for the quote here. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's in your hearings, Jen, on the Senate side. Steve Gooch. That's that's what I started going the wrong direction. He said what. What I'm hearing from the people I represent is that we have totally lost confidence in our election system this year. So even in those hearings, Jen, the question becomes, who is giving them doubts about the election? It, it was Republicans. It was no, Donald Trump. Uh, yes, it was Rudolph yes. Giuliani. It was Newt Gingrich. Yeah, I mean, and look, the problem with yesterday, the, 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 the real problem with yesterday was that really it was a sham. I mean, it was kind of, it was clearly orchestrated with Team Trump. Uh, Democrats were not given any notice of who was going to show up, who was going to testify, how it was going to run. We get in there. We didn't have any clue that Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis were going to be there. And all of a sudden we hear cheering in the halls and, you know, they roll in, you know, like, I'm not, I don't even know. And so it's one of those things that if you are really seriously trying to get to the issue and answer the questions, sure, absolutely give the president's team the ability to present their case, but give the election officials, the people in charge of the election, the ability to respond so that the information can be real and we can actually try to get to kind of the nut of the problem. But that that wasn't the focus yesterday. And if anything, it really just gave the issue oxygen in this state. 
Rick, you, know, but, you know, part of this argument, you have to accept this, is that Democrats must be stupid, especially Georgia Democrats. They are so stupid when it comes to stealing an election. Nobody thought about trying to steal the Senate races. No one thought about trying to steal the PSC races. In fact, I'm sure Bob Trammell is sitting at home going, well, why didn't they steal the election for me? Because <laughs> about the only major uh, person to get defeated was a Democrat who's the House Minority Leader. So, you know, you've got to take, um, take this with a grain of salt. Um, by the way, I, sometimes in the morning I consume way too much information, so I want to correct something I said. There were two Senate committee meetings yesterday on dealing with this. There wasn't one in the House and the Senate, and I apologize for uh, having to, you know, correct my, myself on that. But I, I do want to make sure I, I do correct that. Um, Jim, there's another interesting development. I mentioned the Sydney Wood, uh, Sydney uh, Powell Lynn Wood uh, rally, Stop the Steel rally on Wednesday. Um, by the way, Jim, Lynn Wood was wearing, of course, a Make, make America Great hat, fine, but he was wearing a Trump wig. He he was wearing a blonde Trump wig. Rick, did you notice that you're smart? I think he was wearing a Trump wig in this rally. You know? So, Jim, here's what's fascinating, though. We now have Axios now reports that Trump called Lynn Wood or someone close to Trump called Lynn Wood and said, cut this out. We need Republicans to vote in the runoff elections, and Newt Gingrich, who has been trolling the election from his uh, place in Vatican City, uh, said did, sent out a tweet saying, Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell are totally destructive. Every Georgia conservative who cares about America must vote in the runoff. And he called what's going on here in terms of boycotting the election nutty. Jim? Uh, yeah, yeah. This is it's this is the box that Republicans have built for themselves. Uh, you know, if you're if you know if uh, uh, in order to protect what Trump has done over the last four years, they have to ignore what Trump is saying now. Uh, and 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 uh, it's the rally in Alpharetta was very interesting yesterday. It was. I mean, I've only seen clips of it. I wasn't. I wasn't actually there. I mean, this was on Wednesday, I, I believe. Uh, and and both Powell and uh, and Lynn Wood were saying that look, uh, uh, Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue have yet to earn your vote uh, because they haven't done enough to stop this election. Uh, uh, Brian Kemp hasn't done enough to stop this election. They want the legislature to call be called into session, as as, as Senator Jordan uh, 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 pointed out. It is. Uh, it's it, it's become just a kind of a messaging nightmare on the Republican side, and and it's very the, yeah. it, it, and and can you can you can you recover from that? Well, that's the one good thing is that we're still we are still uh, uh, one month away from the the final votes uh, being cast. But the problem is that early voting starts at what the end of uh, end is it the end of next week on the fifteenth. The f it's the fourteenth, isn't it? The fourteenth, fifteenth, um, week from Monday, I think is what I said. And by the way, registration ends on this coming Monday. Uh, you, if you're not registered to vote, you've got to do it by the end of the uh, working day on this coming Monday. And yes, early voting then starts the following Monday. Um, Jen, let me turn to you real quick. You said something I think is important here. Um, I think I heard you say that uh, all of the conspiracy talk maybe keeping legislators like yourself from looking at whether there are any things that need to be done to tweak how some of our voting here. I, I think I heard you say you wanted to have a clean look at that. So with that in mind, this the question of legislation being introduced in the new session that would require some kind of uh, ID for absentee voting, mail-in voting, the same way it is for in-person voting, is certainly going to be introduced. Is, is that a reasonable uh, measure to at least consider? I think, I think one of the biggest things is, um, it, look, the Secretary of State's already doing that to some extent. If you are asking for an absentee ballot through the portal, you have to provide your Georgia driver's license number 
um, which is unique to you, like a social security number. And so the whole idea is that if you have your own unique information that only you have access to, and so that's how we can confirm your identity. I think that probably from an elections management standpoint, um, a lot better, more efficient um, to use than, than even a signature match. So yeah, I think there are things we can look at. Look, these are, these are laws that we've been, Democrats have been pushing against for years and years. And, and so that's why it's this odd position we're in where this election probably went off as, as well as any election in my lifetime in this state. And so we're sitting here and we're having, we're having to defend laws that really we've pushed against. So it's not the laws themselves, it's that the process itself followed the law and it's not fraudulent. So yeah, I think there's a real opportunity here to, to look at ways that we can make things better. Also, I know that everybody, go ahead, go ahead real quick, Rick. Yeah. I was gonna say also recognize we're looking for a solution to a problem that most of us don't exist, don't think it exists. So you got to create the problem and now you got to come in and solve it because the Republicans have a major problem. They lose early voting, period. They know that. So they've got two options that they can take. Number one, they can try to deflate early voting. Or number two, they got to figure out a way to get more Republicans to vote early. Chuck, respond to that because I think that's a, an interesting point. Yeah, if it's all right, I'll respond to both. Uh, first of all, as far as Senator sure. Jordan, as we all know, the absentee ballot application form does not require that you include your driver's license number. So she's talking about a portal that's only recently been rolled out and which I would I don't have data on this, but I would assume is the vast uh, minority of applications which are submitted. Most are submitted by paper where uh, where the only way to uh, to verify ultimately the ballot is by the signature. That would be the the only means. And uh, certainly that is not the same level of verification as as uh, photo ID. And and I would just say to Mr. Dent, you know, it was said yesterday in the hearing that there's going to be a suit filed in Fulton County Superior Court, I believe they said today. And I think it's just important for uh, for all Georgians uh, to be able to see what the specific allegations are, if there is some newly discovered information, then what is that, and to allow the process to take place, because that not only is good for, um, for, uh, for all Georgians to give finality to the election, but also to allow folks to trust in the system and uh, that the results are correct. Um, yeah, um, uh, Jim, Bill, you get a final word. I got to get to uh, a okay. break. All right, all right I'll, I'll try to be quick here. Uh, uh, I, I know we have tossed around the word uh, the word tweaking when it comes to Georgia's absentee ba- uh, ballot laws. I watched uh, a lot of that uh, of those those two hearings uh, yesterday, and I was picking up some very strong hints that Republicans want to do more than tweak. There's, there are there are a number of them who really want to shut absentee ballot voting down, uh, returning it back to its original kind of uh, 2004 position, where it's not a a a, 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 a no excuse uh, uh, kind of voting. Yeah, I, it, and, and I, I I get that, Jim. I got to get to a break. Um, my question for the Democratic side, for Jen Jordan, is are there things that Democrats believe ought to be looked at as well, which would obviously be much less extreme and dramatic than trying to uh, 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 really, really restrict absentee voting? All right, look, we got to get to a break. Everybody's got a lot of really good things to talk about. we got more to do on the show when we come back. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon. We're back on Political Rewind, uh, joined today by uh, Representative Chuck F. Stration uh, from Gwinnett County, Jim Galloway, of course, lead political writer for the AJC, Rick Dent, uh, media 
a guru is what we call you, I think, in our Twitter today, Rick. A guru. Wow. That's very impressive. And, <laughs> and, and State Senator uh, Jen Jordan. Um, okay, uh, Rick, you've been really keeping on top of the money, and we should talk about it for a few minutes, but let's put it into context for a second here. Uh, Chuck Efstration, you've already pointed out <clears throat> that Republicans think they can uh, get a lot of mileage out of the fact <clears throat> excuse me, that in a TV appearance uh, last week, uh, John Ossoff was asked if he would accept the uh, endorsement of Bernie Sanders, if he would welcome it. And he said, yeah, sure. There are a lot of things that Bernie Sanders stands for that I think are, you know, good. And, you you, you know, we know that's already been fodder for uh, Leffler ads attacking uh, him. At the same time, uh, Jim Galloway, the New York Times has published a couple of pieces uh, on a an issue that we thought may have been dead a while back, but the New York Times has got some new material really questioning the number of stock transactions that David Perdue has made uh, it, during his uh, time in the Senate, raising questions about whether there are any conflicts of interest there. 2,596 stock trades in one term, far more than any other uh, member and um, there's some question as to whether his position on the Cybersecurity Committee had an influence on trades he made with a company that he's been active with. OK. And there are obviously Democratic ads attacking him for that. So, Jim, those are just two examples, right, of the kind of attacks that are going back and forth, right? Right, right. Uh, the, uh, the 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 for for Purdue, the the, the stock trades are are kind of problematic, uh, simply because they contradict uh, a storyline that he was putting out in in February and March is in that that all these transactions is are are being. Uh, uh, kept at arm's length in 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 one instance uh, documented by the New York Times, uh, it was very clear that uh, that 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 Purdue was was responding to a kind of an email from from a company executive when he dumped some stop stock, uh, uh, waited for the price to tank, and then kind of picked it up cheap and 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 uh, made a nice nice profit off it but and and that suggests that that this arm's length story uh is isn't wholly true uh on on the also okay, thing so on, on the also thing i would say Go i would ahead. say this is a this is a this is a big sign that 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 uh, uh there's no race for the middle here this is all about getting uh getting your most fervent uh supporters out and that you know and and that's true on both sides Okay, um, Chuck, let me give you a quick chance to deal with that, and then we want to get to Rick on spending on these ads. As a candidate whose district uh, uh, went for Joe Biden and I was and I was reelected, I know about really speaking to the middle. And I can just tell you that uh, an embrace of Bernie Sanders is outside of the mainstream in Georgia. Uh, there's a real battle of ideas that's taking place between members in the U.S. Congress right now about the free market system, which has shown incredible results for the U.S., making us a leader in freedom and uh, economic opportunity and socialist policies. And I think that that, uh, that discussion uh, playing into the Georgia Senate runoffs is incredibly important. And, and I think it's, uh, it's uh, uh, important that that conversation is had. I think we and it's a conversation and we should be talking about these are the kinds of things that we I'd love to be able to turn to once we get all of this conspiracy stuff behind us. Um, and, and I've said that on the show all week. Unfortunately, the ongoing challenges to the legitimacy of the Georgia election are pretty hard to ignore right now. But I think you're you, you make a point, Chuck, that we need to talk about all of these things. All right. All that said, Rick, everybody in Georgia knows about these issues right now. Because they've seen the ads. They can't help but see the ads. They, they are the only thing during commercial breaks these days. You just last night sent all of us some totals, the most recent totals. You want to run through the, the big ones with us? Sure. Um, we are now at $313 million in ad buys in Georgia. That's ads that have already been seen and ads for the future. I know for this panel, that is a, an astounding number. So I can't even imagine how listeners and viewers can even wrap their heads around that kind of number. If you add that 
to what was spent in the general, you're talking about a half a billion dollars on messaging in those Senate races. And my point would be this. Can, can anybody on this panel tell me what um, Senator Perdue's health care plan is? Can anybody tell me what Warnock's plan is to get this country back to working? I think the answer is no, because that half a billion dollars is not going to educate the people of Georgia. There's two themes, two obvious themes. You don't have to be a consultant to see it. It's two crooks versus two radicals. That's the choice, and that is what $500 billion is telling us. Two crooks versus two radicals. That's your choice, Georgia. Warnock has spent $170 million. The, the, the Warnock race has accounted for $170 million of spending. The Purdue race, $144 million of spending. Um, I haven't, I'm looking for Leffler and uh, Purdue. Rick, do you have those figures handy? Oh, uh, no, I'm, I'm looking for them. I don't okay. have them. Okay, I, don't I have mean, them. clearly, okay, but clearly they're up there in that same stratospheric number. Yeah. So, Jen Jordan, one of the things that's fa- fascinating to me about this is Rick points out that $200 million was spent uh, on the campaigns for the general on November 3rd. Nobody won. $200 million did not pick a winner in that race, which led to the additional $300 million being dumped into the race now. I, it, it's astonishing. Look, I mean, I don't think it's good for, for Georgia voters. I mean, I think anybody who listens to television, I mean, Rick's right. I mean, it's just negative after negative after negative, um, and it's wearing people down. Um, so that's you're going to have a lot of folks in the middle who just don't show up or don't, or either they don't feel like they have a choice. And, and that's why you see kind of this, this push in terms of base voters and, and no one's really talking about the vast or talking to the vast majority of voters in Georgia. So yeah, I, I, I think it's corrosive, but you know, that's where we are. Uh, a question for, for, for Rick here is, is, TV time, TV time in Georgia, is it a, a, a vessel with a finite volume? Is there a, is there a point at which the, 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 the capacity of, of TV stations is, is, is that they can't handle any more ads? And are we close to it? They're supposed to be. <laughs> now, remember in previous elections where some TV stations started to create new content just to sell. Yeah. <laughs> and and remember this, guys, the campaigns pay the lowest amount of money for ads. But all these other folks who are involved in this election have to pay the going rate. And we know in the general, some folks were paying 10 times above what they should be paying for those political ads. And for example, right now, we have 27 different ads running this week. 27 different ads in those two Senate races. We have 35 entities buying ad time. So it's just an extraordinary situation in the state of Georgia. Um, Rick, we should point out that um, the, part of the answer, you're right, it, 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 what Jim's question leads to what you pointed out. Uh, one of the TV stations uh, did, in fact, a couple of years ago, uh, start a new newscast uh, just to be able to sell more time. But what's important here, Rick, too, just if you get on the you know little inside baseball about this stuff, is as you point out, this three hundred thirteen million represents not just money that's already on the air, but it's money that is reserved time between now and January 5th. And the reason that's important is inventory is finite. There's only so many commercials that Channel 2 can put on the air between uh, its, you know, the, the programming that it has. And so you've got to scramble. If your campaign isn't nimble, if it's not sophisticated in the way it looks at buying, you really can hurt yourself, right? That's right. That's right. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you can get crappy times. Uh, you can get knocked out. Um, 
and and then again that price you know let's talk about market price it, it doesn't just stay stable um this is certainly a uh, a seller's market so to speak um and again uh, these these numbers are just mind numbing you know i i was involved with zell miller's senate race 20 years ago we spent 10 million dollars okay you can do the math that's probably worth 20 today but it was just us (laughs) we would run our two little ads a week our opponent would run his two little ads a week and then the transition became packs started to move in and it was like a little sprinkle on your ice cream or a little cherry on top. The campaign <laughs> still did, you know, 95% of the work, and we were getting a little assist over here. But now, more money coming in from out of state than in state? This isn't Georgia money electing Georgians. This is out of state money trying to influence us, and it's money we will never know who it came from, never know who's trying to influence us. But I can, I can tell you this. They're not doing it because they believe in good government. Jim, just as an aside, for those of us who covered Zell Miller for a long, long time, $10 million spent for a Senate seat that Zell didn't end up really wanting to hold at all. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. I I, I still have the, I still have the, uh, I still have, I went up to see him one day and I still have a, uh, something that he wrote on on the day's calendar, and, and it is uh, another day shot to hell. <laughs> I've had the I had those experiences with him myself. Um, Jen and 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 Chuck, you're office holders. You have to run races. You do it with obviously far far less money. But but I want to bring you both in on this because I think there's a question about whether this election is going to maybe make everyone rethink the amount of spending that goes on. So let me just give you a couple of examples that I pulled up. In the Kentucky Senate race, Mitch McConnell raised $57 million. His opponent, Amy McGrath, raised $90 million. McConnell won with less money. In uh, Maine, uh, Sarah Gideon raised almost $70 million to Susan Collins' $27 million. Susan Collins won. Um, it, in, in the Jamie Harrison race, which was the most dramatic example, Harrison raised $109 million to Lindsey Graham's $74 million. And, of course, we all heard Lindsey Graham begging for money. And, of course, Lindsey Graham won. Jen, starting with you, it, it, is this going to... Do you think force any calculation as to whether people are going to want to continue putting this kind of money into advertising? No. I mean, I think we're in a situation right now where these campaigns, the campaigns have to be well-funded. In order to run um, a U.S. Senate campaign, you, I mean, it's it's a $50 million plus um, endeavor nowadays. And, and that is not a good thing. I mean, because the money has to come from somewhere. I know there Democrats tend to do a lot more low dollar, you know, kind of digital fundraising. Um, and then on the Republican side, there tends to be a lot more um, larger donations, super PACs, that kind of stuff. But on both sides, it's just too much. And at the end of the day, it, it was what Rick was saying. This isn't about Georgia. This isn't about Georgia voters. This is about people from out of state coming in here and spending a god awful amount of money. Well, I, I yes, think but that, Chuck, if go go ahead. Well, money is only one component, I believe, of a successful campaign. Uh, the ability to get a message out still requires that you have a message that's compelling to voters and that there's a candidate the voters trust and can believe in. And so, uh, so. I agree with uh, with what's been said to the extent that at some point money additional funds don't matter. But what Senator Jordan's talking about, we saw in the November third general election. If Mike Bloomberg is putting so many millions of dollars into the Florida election to support uh, Joe Biden, uh, how is that uh, in the best interest of George of Florida voters? And so, uh, so I think that this discussion is important. But as you pointed out, Bill, when you look at the numbers, the message 
and the actual candidate and voter support and trust in the candidate is what can, I think, uh, carry the day. Funds to get the message out is only one part of that puzzle. Rick, part of my question has to do with if I'm out there looking, if I'm a, a bundler for a candidate trying to get, you know, bring in as many checks as possible for my candidate, uh, at a certain point, do I lose authenticity when the people I'm asking to write big checks look at the fact that money has not won a number of big races in 2020? You know, I don't think you can ever take money out of politics. I think this is just the beginning. Uh, everybody wants to be a part of it. People are afraid not to, to use it. I can tell you I've lost races with no money, and I've lost races with lots of money. But I sure would like to have lots of money more than no money. I can tell you that. <laughs> Please, let me spend it and lose. <laughs> uh, so, I, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't see it changing. I think this, this, is, the, this is the future. Um, and, you know, we were talking about the out-of-state money. One point I didn't make is the big bear in these Senate races is Mitch McConnell. He's put in $84 million in Georgia right now. And without that $84 million, the Democrats would have a huge financial advantage right now. So you can argue that Mitch McConnell and his out-of-state money is the difference right now for those two Republicans. All right. Uh, Rick, thank you for helping illuminate for us the kind of spending going on in the race. Um, we got more to talk about on the show, but let's take our final break and come back. Um, I wanted to thank the people, many of you out there, who wrote to me in one form or another to say how much you enjoyed hearing Larry Tai yesterday, the author of the new biography on Joseph McCarthy, whose book uh, really shows some dramatic parallels between uh, the career of uh, the political career of Joe McCarthy and uh, Donald Trump. And if you didn't get to hear the show, it's available. You can listen to it on our podcast. You can listen to it at the, our website at gpb.org slash PR. It's, it's really worth uh, your time. Um, Jim, on, on our show earlier this week, Re Republican consultant Brian Robinson said that he thought that um, Raffensperger and Gabe Sterling were men who deserve Profiles in Courage awards. And I said, well, they certainly have been, you know, upstanding in their work. I got a lot of pushback from a couple of people saying that what are you, they were doing their jobs. We should expect people to do that. Having said that, you wrote a piece on what Gabe Sterling uh, talked about when he came before the microphones this week in a, in, in a pretty dramatic moment to condemn the death threats um, against himself, against Brad Raffensperger, but especially against a 20-year-old Gwinnett County election worker. Um, talk about that a little, your, your story. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's already up online. It's, it's, it's the column for Sunday. But, but basically, you had uh, a couple of QAnon uh, uh, conspiracy theorists uh, in, in Gwinnett County election headquarters and they were they they were uh, uh, using their 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 smartphones to video uh, what they saw, and they saw a a young man uh, put a jump drive into one computer and move it over to another computer, and this to them was uh, was uh, was uh, was uh, it was very clear to them that something nefarious was happening. That I'm sure they didn't know what, and about. Uh, Maybe 2 a.m. Uh, that morning, uh, this 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 young worker who has a very distinct name, very easy to Google, uh, he he received a a uh, uh, an, an email or I mean a Twitter a direct Twitter message I think uh, uh, that carried a the, the a gif of a swinging noose and said basically uh, uh, you've committed uh, God save you but you've committed treason. And, you know, for a 20-year-old kid to get something like that out of the blue because he's working a job that probably isn't paying nearly as, uh, enough, 
uh, that can be quite uh, scary. And you multiply that by tens of thousands of, of, uh, of people who are working these elections, then that's it becomes problematic, and uh, that's what that's what set uh, Gabe Sterling off. Um, Chuck, you know whether you want to call them profiles encourage or not, Raffensperger and Sterling have spoken strongly about upholding the legitimacy of our election here, and no one, no one wants to see the these horrific. Uh, uh, outcomes to the to the conspiracy minded folks out there threats of violence or intimidation should never be made that shouldn't be part of this uh, we were talking earlier about the legal process that's in place that's where uh, these disputes should be aired out um, in the uh, we're a nation of laws and those laws should be followed so that challenges raised can be raised in the system that we uh, that we all live under Jen Look, I agree. And as a lawyer, I mean, at least there's some rules with respect to evidence and competent evidence, which, you know, we haven't been seeing actually done. But there have been lawsuits filed, and they and the requests, the lawsuits have been dismissed. The claims have been dismissed by Trump-appointed judges. So the whole idea that, that there is some there there is, is just not true, and it's just intended to kind of keep this clown car on the road you know, for a few more miles, and it's just hurtful. The, the the problem is, Bill, is you've got you've got attorneys who are saying one thing in the courtroom and something entirely different in 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 in, in the public arena, uh, and and it's it's the public arena that people are watching. All right. Um, that's just about all the time we uh, have for today's show. Um, I'm very grateful to Senator Jen Jordan, to Rick Dent, and to State Representative Chuck F. Stration, as well, of course, uh, to Jim Galloway for uh, being here today. Chuck, you and Rick both made the point, and Rick, you made it really in, a, I think, a very powerful way in terms of the commercials that we're seeing, that we're not hearing enough about the issues that we haven't heard what David Perdue thinks about climate change. Uh, we haven't heard what Raphael Warnock uh, thinks about uh, police reform in, in any depth, um, because what we're seeing on the air is mostly attack ads uh, with some positive advertising thrown in the middle. Uh, we should say that on uh, Sunday, uh, let's hope there is an opportunity for us all to hear uh, for the candidates and their feelings about that. The Atlanta Press Club is going to stage a debate between uh, Kelly Leffler and Raphael Warnock for Senate race number two. It's uh, going to be on GPB, but it'll also CNN is airing it, and I think other uh, national outlets are airing it. Of course, I hope you'll watch it on GPB TV. That's Sunday night at 7 o'clock on GPB. We're completely out of time until our show next Monday. Uh, have a good weekend. Take care. Stay healthy. Please wear a mask and think about when you're going to vote. Bye-bye. 